All right. Yeah, here we are. Yes. Did you yes. ever watch A Quiet Place? I did. I enjoyed it and hated it and then enjoyed it all at the same time. <laughs> Fair enough. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, I, I can honestly say that I'm definitely excited for the... Uh, it's a sequel, right? It's not a prequel. No, it is a prequel. Uh, no, the so this new story is maybe a prequel. No, not um, this one. Like the A Quiet Place too, right? No, it's a sequel. It uh, huh. it picks up with her after, like her and the kids after he dies, where they leave that farm. So no, John Krasinski. No. Why even fucking watch? I don't know. He's directing it at least. Well, some points and some credit, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it looks like they're gonna do another spinoff. Like, and I'm I'm into that. I like when I like when they expand upon these interesting worlds. Yeah. I just I really hope that they do it. Um, better than Cloverfield did. Yeah, I never watched the spinoffs for those. To be honest. Well, so like the original Cloverfield being like a found film thing, it was interesting because I mean that was at the height when found like found film footage or whatever was coming out. Yeah, not so. I don't think it would really hold up necessarily today. But it no, was probably not. It was an intriguing, interesting movie. Um, the Ten Cloverfield Lane though, that was a fucking masterpiece because it was in that universe, but you know yeah. you don't really see or hear any monsters and like. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead and uh, John Goodman. John Goodman, like fucking smashed it out of the park. Yeah. I can't say that the other one was any good. The weird Netflix exclusive where they're in space right. or something. I right. never watched it, so I can't say for sure. But right, and I feel like, like with those, like when they expanded that universe, they kind of like did it in the loosest sense, where they just like teased a scene and. And it said like, "Hey, it takes place here, but like these are really independent stories." So, yeah. So, I like I think there's something to be said about that, where it's just like we don't need to tell the same story based on like the same characters. Like that that was the problem that Star Wars kind of ran into, where like they were kind of afraid to like branch into other stories, right? Mm-hmm. They were like, "No, we got to have we got to have these original people in it." And it's like, "Well, no, you got a really good universe, you can." Do other stories in that universe. Just write a good story and put it there. Yeah. So hopefully this is uh, kind of something similar to that. Seems like John Krasinski is like helping, like kind of maybe helping a little bit with the spinoff, but maybe not like super involved. Yeah. Yeah. It has my it has my intrigue. It has my interest. I, 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 like, my gripes with the original Quiet Place are just fucking personal turmoils with some of it. But it, on the whole, it, it really was genuinely a good movie. And I'm very excited for the next. So, like, to have something that takes place in that universe, albeit its own story. Yeah. That, that's something that uh, I'm very much interested in. Yeah, me too. So, <laughs> I think this is cool. Mm-hmm. Let's see oh. here. Ethan Hawke to star in a war thriller. I yeah. almost read that wrong. Ethan Hawke. I thought it was the Ethan Hawke to star in Star Wars. Oh, 
I could actually see that. Yeah. You, you take out like one little word in there and it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. I, I, now that you say that, I, I wouldn't be opposed to him being in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I got no comment either way. Fair enough. But, I mean, thriller I'm into. War thriller, I don't know how I feel about that. If it's set in like the fucking 1800s or like the early 1900s, you know, like I don't like those. Uh, yeah. Those like 1930 World War fucking spy thrillers. I don't really care for them. I don't think with the, it's with that the exception far back. of uh, whatever that game one was with Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh right, right. That 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 one was actually fucking super solid. But aside from that, that's not really my genre. Yeah, this seems. Uh, reading this article, it's uh, kind of like end of World War Two era, and in that era, so. Hmm. I like Ethan Hawke, so I mean, yeah, I'll watch a trailer to see how this is gonna pan out. Yeah, but yeah, I don't, I don't care for those timepiece thrillers. Uh, fair enough. They're not as exciting, especially when I know all the amazing technology that exists today. Yeah, fair enough. Does uh, I guess the kind of quick synopsis they give is he's an American soldier stationed in Rome as it's under siege, and then the Vatican blows up, and he. Im- Barks on a journey to uncover and defend against an unknown enemy threatening the entire world. So it sounds like your run-of-the-mill general fucking... Thriller, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Pretty much like, oh shit, something happened, time to save the world. But hey, I mean, if it's done well enough, then I'm always down for more of those. Fair enough. I gotta wonder what happened to Ethan Hawke. Like, I mean, I feel like for a while there, he was really on top of the world, and he's kind of just not faded, but uh, I don't know, slowed down. He done recently. I'm just pulling up his IMDb. Cause yeah, like I, the last thing I remember like seeing him in was that. Uh... Oh, that Oscar movie where they aged everyone. Uh, boyhood. See, and I never saw that. The last thing I vividly remember him in was some kind of zombie movie. Or not zombie, vampire movie. Daybreakers, Nightbreakers. Oh, yeah. And then I don't know why I forgot about this one because I really liked that movie. The Magnificent Seven. He was in that with uh, Chris Pratt and uh, uh, Denzel. Yeah, and I didn't see that one. It's actually really good. It's it's a fun, especially if you like westerns. Yeah, I, uh, westerns aren't really my thing either. See, I, I like a good western, so it, it it hit all marks for me. But yeah, and then it seems like he's, he's done a bunch of other shit. And Oh yeah, The Purge. Okay, so Daybreakers and then The Purge and the Sinister series would have been the last ones I saw him in. Yeah, and it looks like he's done some TV and stuff, but like nothing I've recognized or or watched. So, mm-hmm. huh. yeah, I remember thinking very, very highly of him for the longest time, and then it just seems like, you know, almost a decade now. He's just kind of, but I mean, maybe he's at that age where he's like, you know, I can pick and choose. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can live comfortably, so I'm not just gonna do anything. I'm gonna do stuff that interests me. I could see that because he's got. He's been around for a long time, so it's well, good for him and any actor really that can hit that point in their career where they're like, you know what, I can live comfortably for the rest of my life. So yeah, I'll do what I want to do and not 
you know, maybe take a paycheck here and there if you want a car or something, but mm-hmm. so but yeah, like I'm down for Ethan Hawke in, in a thriller. He's good. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Especially because, like you said, and I didn't even realize it until, until you said it, but I was like, oh, well, what was the last thing I saw Ethan Hawke in? Mm-hmm. I think it was that Western, which was 2016, so that was like four years ago. So, hmm. but yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I also want to see a trailer. Yeah. Yeah, that's the downside and the unfortunate thing about like talking movie news with all these up and coming films and celebrities or actors and what they're jumping into. It's like, well, this sounds interesting in theory, but I can't watch anything that would give me any real indication. Yeah. And then there's that added layer of like a really good trailer can sometimes not mean a really good movie. Right. So it's. Yeah, true enough. So I feel like this next piece is like kind of like movie news that I don't think anyone asked for, but it's just one of those things where they're like, hey, we know if we put this out, it's going to make money, so we're going to do it. I asked for this. I'm not going to lie. Did I you? love I love those movies. They're so dumb. But Fair they're enough. like they're like the definition of like a dumbass 90s movie done like the 20 like 2020. They're stupid. There's like zero plot, but it's Gerald Butler in a generic action hero protecting the president. Yeah. So, I mean, for everyone out there who hasn't figured out what we're talking about yet, they're doing another Gerard Butler pretend, protecting the president film. Yeah. I don't like- understand how they're calling this a sequel to Angel Has Fallen when Angel Has Fallen was like part of a trilogy. Like, would this yeah. not be the fourth movie in the fucking franchise? Like, all those movies are directly related. So how do you call this a sequel to Angel Has Fallen? I don't know. The article says it's the fourth film. Super weird. Yeah. Night, night Has Fallen. Like, uh, Yeah, I, I have no idea like, what the premise is like. My, my train of thought here is... Uh, if I'm someone who works in the White House, like I'm in a white White House official, whatever the fuck. Yep. After three attempts on a president's life, and after the main person involved in all of these attempts being Gerard Butler, I'm gonna be like, you know what? I'm starting to think the common denominator here is you, man. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe I should just like not be president because people keep trying to kill me. Yeah, maybe. Does that mean Morgan Freeman's coming back? That's what I, I want to know. I don't uh, probably. I mean, he played like the vice president, so I would assume so. No, I mean, he he played the president in the last one. No, he was the vice president. It was uh, Aaron Urquhart that plays the president in all of them. Oh, Benny, you haven't watched them all. Yeah, I have. Okay, if you'd watched them all, then Aaron, you'd know that Aaron Urquhart retires. And, oh, does he? Yeah, and in the second one. He when he's captured, fucking. Uh, oh, that's right. Now I, well, I, I literally just said his name. Why is this fucking slipping out of my mind now? Yes. <clears throat> okay. Now that you're saying that, I that sounds right. See, that goes to show like how minimal plot like I pay attention to in these movies. Yeah, man. Because uh, fuck, what is his name? Morgan Freeman. Yes, there we go. Well, I can't even believe... I don't know what's happening in my head here right now, but... 
Yeah, it's early in the morning. Yes, in the <laughs> last film, Angel Has Fallen, uh, Morgan Freeman is the president of the United States. That's right. Yeah, this is all sounding right. I don't think Aaron, I think Aaron Eckhart was in the first one and maybe had a small role in the second, but I think he was done after that. That could be. Yeah, t- to be honest, like I, I don't go to those movies for the plot. Fair enough. But, yeah, so you would assume he would come back. I'm just trying to see in this article if they say. I got, and I, you know, I'm kind of curious as to, um, so you know, like when Olympus has fallen came yeah. out, there was yeah. like direct competition with like pretty much the exact same fucking movie, but with Channing Tatum, the White House down. Yeah. And Jamie Foxx. Yep. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. If I was to stack up the first movie versus White House down, I thought White House Down was a better film. I enjoyed them both, to be honest. So I'm just surprised to see that, like, the Olympus Has Fallen franchise uh, was able to just, like, keep going, and now they're going into their fourth movie, and White House Down just kind of, like, ended. I bet it's because they can make them way cheaper. Mm, I bet that's the only reason why it's these, uh, like, this trilogy is kept going is because I bet they make it on a dime. I'm kind of curious. With all those explosions and actors like Morgan Freeman, Aaron Eckhart, and fucking Gerard Butler, and like the crazy amount of action, there's no way that they can do these films on a dime. There's look, no way. I'm looking up Angel Has Fallen. It, so the budget was $40 million, so that's not like small, but it's not huge either. <laughs> anyway. I've seen all three of them. There's like absolutely no doubt in my mind that I will watch this one, but I'm starting to get uh, Fast and Furious vibes here. That's fair. I just like this because it seems like Gerald Butler is like kind of one of the only guys that is still making like 90s era just dumbass action movies. I don't know. What do you (laughs) call all those fucking new Fast and Furious movies? Eh. New age dumbass action. Okay, just a question for you, just for some clarification. What sets the the Fast and the Furious dumbass action movies apart from the Olympus Angel has fallen action movies? Like you say, new age versus nineties. What's the differentiator there? So, like nineties, like shitty action being like the big one macho man that's like saving the day. Versus, like, New Age, which is, like, the Fast and the Furious just getting, like, absolutely ridiculous versus, like, 90s action where it's, like, okay, this is ridiculous, but, like, it's kind of somewhat still in the realm, if that makes any sense. Okay. Okay. I was just curious. I'm picking right. up what you're laying down. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's so. Uh, that's that. Look forward to that yeah. summer of at this rate, twenty thirty. Yeah. Uh, wheels. Struggling AMC chain is now launching private theater rental programs. Which, interestingly enough, I don't know if I posted it, but uh, our yeah local Canadian cinema chain is actually doing the exact same thing. Yeah, I put that story right right after that. So it's- oh yes, I didn't see that tab. Yeah, so it's uh like for AMC it's like a hundred bucks. 
cram 20 people in the theater and watch a private theater. And yeah, for us in Canada, it's 125 for 20 people. Yeah, which I feel like that's actually not bad. Like, even even 10 people, that's like 10 bucks, a, that's like 10, 15 bucks a person. Yeah, that, it's absolutely not terrible at all. Like, that's pretty pretty fucking good at 125 for 20 people that's less than ten dollars a person yeah exactly and you get the whole theater and it's not like oh yeah this movie's playing so you can rent out this theater to see this movie like there's a back catalog of like yeah here's a thousand movies that you can choose from rent it for your family and friends and y'all can watch it yeah i feel like this is cool i i'm curious how many people do this though like, how many people are willing, like, are going to be like, oh, let's rent a theater. Like, I'm curious if this ends up being, like, kind of the diehard movie fans, where it's like, okay, maybe we can now do this. I would be tempted to. I would be tempted to get a group of people together, even if it's just a small group. Like, it doesn't necessarily yeah. actually need to be 20 people. Yeah. But if I could get together, like, a group of five or six people and burn off you know, a trilogy of some kind. Like, that yeah. would be something that would be in my wheelhouse. Where yeah. it's like, hey, Saturday from fucking 11 o'clock until 8 o'clock at night, this is our movie theater. We'll eat our food at the theater and we'll just watch all the Lord of the Rings or all the Star Wars or yeah. all the fucking Olympus has fallen movies. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I think this is cool and. I mean, the theaters need to start doing something, right? Yeah, they're they're on their last fucking leg because, like, well, we already know that AMC is on its last fucking leg, but uh, I saw that the Cineplex here in Canada, their uh, Q3 earnings report, they were also down a boatload of money, but thankfully they have a bunch of investors that are uh, willing to inject more capital in, so... yeah. That's their fucking saving grace right now. Mm -hmm. they, they had a 95% revenue drop Q3. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And that's like our only like real theater chain up here. I mean, yeah. Like you'll, you get like the one-off kind of... Yeah, I think there's Cinemark. Which is like a smaller one. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's like Cineplex and... Like maybe one or two smaller, I guess, kind of franchises, and then it's like independence. Yeah, not cool. not a whole lot of fucking big boys here. No. But I'll also be curious, like while we're talking about uh, movie theater news, is how the the deal, the the court case anyway, with Cineplex and Cineworld is going? Because like, I I mean I'm not a lawyer, but I just have to imagine that. When they're about to close a deal for $2.8 billion and then COVID happens. Like, I don't think considering no one predicted how COVID was going to go, there's yeah. no way that there's like some sort of clause in the contract that's like, in the event of a worldwide pandemic, we uh, can nullify this contract. Yeah. In which case, like, I understand like for Cineworld, it was like, okay, good. We're not buying this because we're not going to yeah. be able to make money from it. But at the same time, it's like... You kind of signed a contract, so, like, it sucks that the pandemic happened, but, like, you owe them money. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting how that plays out. 
Yeah, the unfortunate thing is, like, we won't hear anything about it until, like, September of next year. Like, that's so fucking far away. Yeah, that's that's when the court proceedings are, like, starting to happen is then, so it's... Well, and given this, the, you know, condition and the financial earnings of theaters, I gotta wonder if this was a fucking power play on behalf of Cineworld, right? Where they dump a whole bunch of money into their lawyers and they're like, push this thing fucking back. If we can push this back until the end of next summer, there's a possibility Cineplex isn't even in one piece and the lawsuit will be dropped because they won't exist. Yeah, which is, that's a valid corporate strategy, so. Yeah, if I was a billion dollar company, I would do that too, but. Yeah. Theater business right now is like Mad Max pretty much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's a fuck show. Yeah. Hopefully we still have theaters. I hope we do. I really do, too. I mean, like, I we've talked about it fucking ad nauseum, and I'm all for a premium video-on-demand service where you can watch your movies the day that yep. they come out. But at the same time, I love the theater experience. So, like, I oh, yeah, don't want to see them go anywhere. Yeah, I'm the same way. And, yeah, I'm... I'm curious how many people do this group thing. Because that seems like an all right way. Yeah, I, I think it's totally fucking worth it. Like, yeah. now that I know that we're doing it in Canada, too, yeah, I might start thinking and strategizing and planning something of the such when I uh, come back. Oh, yeah, like right around Christmas and stuff. I could see yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. I I hope people at least somewhat use it and make it worth it. Yeah, me too. Support your local theater people. Yeah. Uh, in absolutely gut-wrenching, fucking dream-stomping, heart-wrenching fucking news. It's straight out of left field, too. I know. I don't understand, man. HBO cancels season two of The Outsider. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Like, by all accounts, that was a smash success for HBO. Yeah. And it It was was... such a good series. Yeah, it was. Like, so fucking good. It was one of my favorite series of the year. I was just absolutely floored the whole time watching it. Yeah. So, like, I don't... I I mean, the the only saving grace here is that, like, season two is being shopped around. So, I mean, this doesn't necessarily mean the death of it. No. But what, so like what irritates me is when I first got into that show, I was under the impression that this was a limited run series, that this was one season, one and done, then it ends. And the way that it played out and the way that it ended, I was okay with that. Yeah. Cause I was like, yeah, this was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You know, we got our star middle, our end. I think everything was wrapped up really nicely. Of course, I would love to see more, but I went in with the expectations that it was a limited run series. I think that's what everyone did. And I walked away with that. And yeah. then when they announced, hey, it did so good, we're going to give you a second season. I was like, oh my God, this is super exciting news. I did not expect this. Yeah. I got my hopes up. I got all fucking excited. Only for them to go, you know what? Actually, we changed our mind. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm not happy about this. No, um, like it's not happy one bit. I like. I'm trying to think of what the HBO rationale for like canceling and chopping it out is. Because by all accounts, that first season did very well for them. So like, I'm 
curious what the decision was on like why they were like we can't do this second season. Yeah, I don't know. Like, and my and honestly, my 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 biggest fear is if some fucking like if Netflix fucking picks it up. I mean, the saving grace if Netflix picked it up is being that so the show is produced by Bateman. And he seems like he's got a good relationship with them with Ozark, so I could see that working. But no, but if if it's this successful, and now that I know that it can be continued on, I want to see it continued on. And Netflix doesn't Netflix doesn't mm-hmm. run series. Yeah, like, nothing makes it past the fucking three mark for them, and that includes several shows that they've picked up that were one or two seasons have aired already, and then they buy the rights to it, do one season, and then shut her down. Like three is the cursed number for that fucking streaming service, and I don't want it to go to Netflix with the hopes of like, okay, this is going to continue on only for them to s- close the door after fucking season three. Yeah, and I guess it all depends like what the ideas are for the continuation right like maybe they only have ideas for a set amount of seasons or something like that but because i don't know like in the books if like i know uh the holly character is in a bunch of his books yeah so i'm curious if like the next season is like she's kind of the continuation but it's not anyone else like i wonder if that's how how it's gonna be like it's more of a show like on her and each season is maybe her tackling like a new case kind of like how it is in his books maybe and maybe and i honestly wouldn't be opposed to like the next season kind of like focusing on her and kind of like using the next season to branch her out into other stephen king works yeah kind of like an anthology kind of thing almost yeah like the other one like the one that she primarily comes from that she's big in is uh mr mercedes Yes. And this just brings forth my absolute hatred of fucking fire selling authors literary works yeah. because Mr. Mercedes is actually by all accounts a show. I think they're in season 2 right now. Okay. On um fucking Peacock. Oh, really? Yeah, which I haven't watched yet, but no continuity, right? So like that character is in there, but I mean who fucking knows? Like, who's, like, I don't know who's playing that character, but it's a different person, right? Yeah, Justine Loop in the yeah. article. Yeah, I, so I just, I don't, uh, I don't like that. Like, and given that I haven't seen Mr. Mercedes and I saw The Outsider, like, I don't want anyone else to play Holly. I want this chick to play Holly. Yeah, because she did a really good job. Yeah, but now we have two different Hollies in two different pieces of Stephen King work, hosted by two different networks. With this one going to a different network, which would mean that this character has been spread across three different networks, which just leaves like interpretation yeah. and who's going to play her and how that's like, I don't, I don't like that kind of stuff. I like yeah. the continuity and it's really upsetting. Like, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but you know how like Marvel and that whole universe played out where you get one film and then another and yeah. then they parallel to each other, but they're also in each other's universes and reference. And then there's like the one big coming together. Yeah. Considering that like all of Stephen King's work all takes place in the same universe for the most part. Yeah. It would have been seen. It would have been amazing for some network to have like such a amazing futuristic vision 
yeah for his literary works where you get like this movie and then this series and then this runs alongside that and continuity straight up continuity yeah. the character who plays this person makes an appearance in this film as that character just like in the books yeah and like is- actually have a stephen king cinematic universe that would be really cool oh that would be amazing it's like you said like i said like he's he's been selling the rights to his selling movie and tv rates for well they're spread out everywhere i mean there's some stephen cuts king stuff on amazon there's some on peacock there's some on hbo there's a couple films done by various studios netflix has a couple of his literary properties like it's just all over the map yeah which i mean if you're a book author that kind of makes sense because you're just like yeah whatever like do what you want give me my paycheck right yeah i gotta think that stephen king's made enough money off of the books and selling that as fiction that maybe it's time to start thinking about his legacy coming up with an end game here yeah Although I'd I'd bet he's maybe more concerned with his writing than the stuff that's being made, like live action wise. He's got such a back catalog of books that like maybe it's time to put the pen down and start start making bigger plays here. But if that's his passion, I guess. Well, I don't care what his passion is. I know what's best for Stephen King and he should listen to me. Yes, exactly. So anyway, yeah. yeah. That's my heartbreaking fucking news of yeah. the day. No, I agree. I'm, I'm curious where this lands, because you got to think it's someone's going to pick it up. I hope Amazon, honestly. Yeah. That's kind of... If I can't root for HBO, if HBO starts making these stupid, stupid moves and going the way of Netflix, which, I mean, they haven't yet, but this really pisses me off, I'm hoping that Amazon picks it up then, because like, while Netflix seems to keep turning into a massive library of dog shit where nothing lasts very long and they just keep dumping money into other stupid, meaningless projects. Mm -hmm. It feels like HBO is now starting to just go the same way where it's like, oh, we don't care about original stories anymore. We need a mass library. So we're just going to keep bringing new stuff and not focus on old stuff where it seems like Amazon's like, hey, we're going to take stuff if it does well. We're just going to keep going with it and going with it and going with it. You may not get a new season every year. Maybe it's a year and a half or two years before you get the next season, but we're going to keep developing and fine tuning. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I still have faith in HBO because I kind of consider them like they're, they're sitting on that iron throne. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you want to look at the world through rose colored glasses, that's fine. But yeah. We have to look at the facts here. Yeah. HBO has canceled Entourage way ahead of its time. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, they canceled The Sopranos before it should have ended. Not to mention the ending. I haven't got to the ending of The Sopranos, but I'm very aware of it. That was a terrible move. Uh getting rid of the wire, I'm on I'm on board with that. That show hey. was a mess. Hey. Ballers, they canceled that show way too soon. Yeah, they completely abandoned their Dark Tower series television series. That was a fucking dumbass move. Yeah, and now they're now they're fucking dropping the ball on uh, the Outsiders. Yeah. So I love HBO. Don't get me wrong. I love when uh, when shows and stuff land there. But like, I look at some of the shows and I look at what they've done to some of them and what they're doing to some of the current ones, and it's like. 
makes me question their judgment just a little bit. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, end of rant. Fair enough. And we got uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Bay doing a thriller. Yeah, so thriller and Jake Gyllenhaal, like that gives me a thumbs up. Yep. Uh, I don't necessarily care for Michael Bay. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, Michael Bay is Michael Bay. I mean, it's the best way to describe him. Yeah. You kind of know what you're going to get out of a Michael Bay movie before you even see a trailer. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, like... Although I will say, I, ju- I came across the trailer for his new uh, pandemic movie, that Songbird. Okay, I did yeah. watch the trailer the other day. Yeah. I'm into it. Oh, really? I haven't yeah. checked it out. I'm very much into it. Yeah. I feel like once in a while, like... Even though Michael Bay's like, you typically know what you're getting. Every once in a while, he decides to do like a kind of serious thing, and like it kind of works. Yeah, like not to discredit Michael Bay, because no. I mean, like let's be honest, like Pearl Harbor and like yeah. Armageddon, like those oh, yeah. were phenomenal movies. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, Six Underground. That was, I'm assuming, his attempt at being the Fast and the Furious. Like it was he, just absurd. Yeah, and like I enjoyed it for what it was. Like, going in knowing that it was just going to be this ridiculous thing. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, all right. Like, my Friday Night fucking dumbass action movies, right? And it's like, all right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But, and I don't know. I The Transformers franchise should have ended after Shia left. Yeah. And I feel like that franchise was just... They kept backing dump trucks and money onto his lawn. And was like, hey. Hey, you want to do another one? Mm-hmm. He was like, sure. Why not? Yeah, I'm 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 genuinely curious about this just because Jake Gyllenhaal doesn't it doesn't appear by all accounts that he just takes movies for money. Yeah, like like it he seems... d- yeah, it seems like he only picks stuff that he actually has interest in that does some sort of like weird that you know gives him the ability to show off his range. Yeah. So if he's signed on for this, then there's obviously something to it. Yeah, I agree. Like he's kind of pretty good that way like he kind of doesn't just pick anything right like i'm trying to think if he's ever just picked up like a fucking tentpole like movie Mm -hmm. like maybe in in his early career maybe but oh for sure i feel like when you're trying to establish yourself as a A a-list actor he definitely takes some you'll take some movies that you know are just terrible movies but they'll be big blockbusters so you can get that payout yeah, but then, like, as I'm but, looking at his IMDb, I'm like, he hasn't even really done that. Like, you know, his everyone remembers Donnie Darko, and then, you know, he's, oh, I guess he did The Day After Tomorrow. That was pretty much disaster porn, right? But then after that, like, it was Brokeback Mountain, Jarhead, Zodiac, stuff like that. Oh, and then he picked up Prince of Persia. Yeah, that was a fucking... Disney blockbuster for sure. Yeah, and then it looks like he did like Love and Other Drugs, Source Code, and to Watch, Prisoners, Enemy. Love and Other Drugs was like a rom com that was definitely for the money. Same with Prince of Persia, like you said. You know, and then Nightcrawler, Southpaw, Everest. Seems like kind of after that, then he's just kind of done kind of the ones he wants. Well, I mean, 
I honestly don't even. I wouldn't count Southpaw as a like a blockbuster. Like no, I mean, me I'm either. sure it did well, but there's no way that they no. marketed that as like the next big Hollywood thing. I guess the last like Hollywood blockbuster s thing actually would have been Spider Spider Man. Yeah, probably. So it's. But I feel like everybody wants to like be able to say that they played a superhero at one point. Yeah, and especially now that it's kind of like all of like a bunch of the big name you know actors are getting into it right so it's you know especially i guess the ones kind of around kind of his age like not like the vets like your brad pitts and stuff but mm-hmm. like the kind of kind of age below that it seems like everyone is kind of you don't play the superhero right you got you know mcavoy and fassbender played them right you know chris pratt and all of them like it just kind of seems like yeah why not do one Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal is probably one of my favorite out there. Yeah, he's I'm, just I'm incredible, incredible range. So it's, yeah, it's like you said. I got to think if he read this script or something like that. Like, yeah, that sounds cool. Then, cool. Yeah, I definitely think he takes his roles seriously these days. Yeah. And other awesome news, I'm getting a fucking season three of Umbrella Academy. Yeah, get prepared for it to be the last two, probably. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is three, yeah, so Netflix is probably going to pull the fucking plug. But in typical Netflix flat fashion, what I'm sure they'll do is they will be like, yeah, you're getting a season four. They'll film one episode and then not mm-hmm. release it and cancel the show. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm mentally preparing for. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... Like, I, I'm not as hot on this show as you are, but, like, I enjoyed that second season more than I did the first. But, like, I'm curious where where third season goes. And I'm for the life of me, I was just trying to think of where that second season ended off. And they go back Remember. through the time warp, except they don't actually end up going back in time. They end up swapping to a different dimension altogether. Oh, right. And they end up in an alternate universe where the Umbrella Academy is completely run by... Uh, That's right. Well, it's no longer called the Umbrella Academy. It's called the Something Else Academy, and it's... Uh, the Asian dude is, like, the head of that team. Oh, that's right. It's, like, evil doppelgangers kind yeah. of thing. Okay. Right, right. Right. Yes, yes. I, oh. I just... I gotta, I gotta give, like, the... I, I love that show all in itself, but fucking Robert Sheehan. That guy. God, do I love the guy. He's the one who plays Klaus. Yeah, he's really and, good. And I absolutely love the fact that, like... The first season was good and it had a lot of Klaus and you kind of get a feel for who he is. But I feel like the second season that just passed, you like really get more Klaus. Yeah. Cause it, and his like mental up and down his turmoil and fighting with who he is and like, oh, so, so, so good. Yeah. And I feel like that was a case of like, they tried to balance screen time in the first season, you know, to kind of give everyone their equity. And then like, they looked at the audience and it was like, Hey, we found our favorite. I gave him more, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. He was... He's, I, he's underrated. Like, yeah. Hopefully, this show has given him, like, I guess some spotlight. Yeah, I hope so. Because honestly, like, after watching the first... Uh, well, I ended up watching the whole series. But he was only part of the first few seasons of uh, Misfits. That's right. And I was like, damn, I fucking love this guy. I can't wait to see what else he does. 
And then like Misfits came and went and I never really saw him again. I mean, to be fair, I didn't like seek him out, but like he wasn't popping into the mainstream until Umbrella Academy. Yeah. I'm just going to look at his IMDb. I wonder if he's got anything. I'm sure he does, but like he's, he's a, he's an Irish guy, right? So I'm sure that aside from Misfits and Umbrella Academy, they're all like, you know, British or Irish television shows or movies or stuff, which we don't really, none of that stuff really makes its way like here. Not that we don't have access to it, but like we don't get the same advertising for it. It's not like you're seeing commercials for the latest British drama series. Yeah. It looks like after Umbrella Academy, at least on his IMDb, it doesn't look like he's booked anything. So, but I mean, hey, he's probably doing pretty good on that Netflix show. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this is cool. Very excited. Very, yeah. very excited. Yeah. By all accounts, that show seems to be fairly popular. So, hopefully, they don't cancel it, but expecting yeah. it to be. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Now we just gotta wait to see if HBO's gonna fucking cancel the Peacemaker after a season two. Fucking cocksuckers. Well, I could see that just being a limited series because it's a prequel. Yeah, but that's how they get you. They're gonna tell you it's a prequel and it's a limited series and it's gonna do really well and they're gonna be like, oh fuck, this did really well. We're gonna do another season. And yeah. right when you're ready for another season, they're gonna be like, you know what, we changed our mind, but hey, if anyone else wants to buy the rights. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just I'm still mad at HBO. Yeah, fair enough. I feel like uh, so. So this news story is John Cena Peacemaker prequel, and they're adding. I feel like they wouldn't shop that out because it's DC. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, it's interesting because I think when we first talked about this, we were trying to figure out before the movie or after the movie kind of thing, and. I think it makes sense to be before. Yeah, I do too. Especially being that James Gunn said that he got the green light to kill as many people as he wanted to, and by all accounts he did, so I feel like that kind of doesn't give anything away of like, hey, maybe John Cena's character dies a horrible death. Very possible. I'm excited for it either which way. Like, I can't wait for James Gunn, James Gunn's version of the Suicide Squad, because... Uh, I was so hyped for the original Suicide Squad only to have yeah. all my hopes and dreams absolutely crushed by the fucking yeah. despicable mess that it was, but yeah. Yeah. Yep. I know I don't really have a whole lot else to say about that other than I'm I'm very, very very much looking forward to it. Yeah. Pretty much. Same here. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's got a spy series, and it's landing on Netflix. I think this is cool as fuck. Yeah, I haven't really seen old Arnie do a whole lot as of late, so... And I guess now that he's out of the hospital. Yeah. And this seems cool. Like, it's... They're kind of pitching it as, like, a global spy adventure with him being a dad and a... His daughter or something are kind of spies. Mm-hmm. Like, that I think could be real cool. Yeah, definitely. It definitely has some uh, potential. Yeah, I'd be. I mean, not seeing anything else. Again, this is a case of like I kind of want to see some footage to see what the tone is. 
Well, and I'm genuinely excited for how this is going to turn out because I don't think it's like my first instincts were like, oh, great. This is going to be like one of those like goofy, mushy family comedy spy thrillers. Yeah. But like seeing that uh, the guy who's producing this is the same guy who's the showrunner for Amazon's uh, Jack Reacher. Yeah. You think it'll kind of have that tone where it's like more of a serious kind of thing? Yeah, I'm I'm hoping anyway. I mean, sight unseen, so who really knows? We don't have a trailer. I don't I don't even think they're in pre yet, so it's really hard to say, but uh it gives me a little bit of hope cuz Jack Reacher and Jack Ryan, like by all accounts those are like very serious spy spy thriller movies or shows, right? So Yeah, and like Jack Reacher hasn't came out yet. Jack no, Ryan. but I mean, yeah, anyway. but it's set up to be, oh yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, when the Jack Reacher does come out, it's not going to be like a goofy comedy or no. a rom-com or anything like it's, it's going to have the same tone that Jack Ryan does. Yeah. Cause like these are Tom Clancy characters, right? Like they're. Well, Jack Reacher isn't, but isn't Jack Reacher a Tom Clancy character? No, it's like its own separate book franchise thing. No, oh. they did. Well, my bad there. But, like, I also feel like, too, like, being that Arnold has never done, like, a TV show, like, I feel like there had to have been something to this where he was like, yeah, this sounds cool. He's also so. getting old, too, right? So, I mean, yeah. there's, like, you, you see it more and more often now, like, bigger, um, quote-unquote, A-list, top-tier celebrities are going to film now. Like, it used to be, like, you started out in film, or in, yeah. um, or going to television. It used yeah. to be like you'd see the people start in television, and that was to get their foot in the door, get some notoriety, and work their way up so that they could become, you know, the blockbuster movie star, right? Yeah, but I, like nowadays, you're seeing kind of a reverse where like the people who do the big blockbusters are like, look, it's fun, but you know, it's three months of like you know, 18 hour days. You're exhausted yeah. by the end of it, and you move from one project to the next. And I think there's something to be said for the television show format where it's like, hey, this is like a Monday to Friday job. Like, yeah. you know, for four months. Yeah, we're only shooting for four months, but like it, it's semi-normal times. It's regularity. It's a it's a normal paycheck coming in. It's more structured. Yeah, unless you're doing something like a CW show, then they're basically working you to death. But, but yeah, and I feel like the kind of tides turned like right around when mcconaughey did true detective where actors started looking at it and go okay not only is there like maybe a little bit more like tv can tell really good stories too mm. and you know that was kind of when you had some i guess like a-list actors like go do it and then people looked at it and went that was really good yeah i feel like kind of that was kind of the the hump and then after that you started getting like a bunch of actors going like oh yeah like tv is like the lines got blurred where it was just like oh a, a good tv show is the same as a good movie yeah the stigma it, in guess, some cases of, could be even better yeah it's like that whole stigma of like you come from tv you never go back you know that old hollywood kind of thought right just kind of like went away as they were like oh no it's actually like kind of one and the same almost now yeah for sure Damn. for sure it's the the tides are turning that's for sure 
Yeah. Just want to point out while you're making your CW comment that I think that what's her name is being a fucking baby about the whole thing. Personally, I assume that's Who? what you're referring to. What's what? her name? Ruby Rose. She was the one complaining in that she left the Batgirl series because they were working her like a dog and she fucking was exhausted all the time and the hours were atrocious. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we talked about that when she got recast, but it was like, what did you expect when you sign up for like a 22 episode CW show? Like, that's the job. Well, not only that, but like, like, I mean, CW is still CW, but by all yeah. accounts, that's still a, a decently sized show, Yeah, which probably pays decently. Yeah. It is consistent, regular work. And yeah. you're in an iconic role. Yeah. So, like, excuse me if a 14-hour day is too hard on you. Like, come out to the real world where, like, some of us have to do 16-hour days. That includes, like, mostly manual labor. And then please tell me again how unfair and hard it is that you have to wear a Batgirl fucking costume six hours a day and read off a paper. Yeah. And, like, uh, on the one hand, like, if you have no idea how... Like what you're getting into on those shows, I could see that on the one hand, but at the same time, you should kind of know that like, hey, if you're going down like a CW show, like, yeah, it's like 16, 18 hour days and you're doing 22 episodes. But like you said, it's it's steady work and you're going to get residuals if the show does good and you're kind of going to set yourself up real well. And that's the trade off. Right? Well, and I feel like she's over exaggerating or blowing some of that out of proportion because like. It's fucking union. You can only work so many hours a day. You have to have so much time off. Like, there's still union rules when you're part of that. Yeah, fair enough. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. Fair enough. But yeah. I'm also just looking in this article, too. Looks like uh, the dude who is uh, maybe involved in the show was also a part of Prison Break. What a great show that was, too. Yeah. Yeah. So. God, I love that show. Yeah. Yeah, the show was good. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm excited to see more from this. In good or bad news? I don't yeah. know. Wonder Woman? They're either gonna potentially release it in January on HBO Max or delay it until next summer. Yeah. Seems like they're kind of weighing the options on. I think, I think they should do a soft release to whatever theaters are open. Wait a week or two, and then you know go the Disney route and charge a premium via HBO. Yeah, but that's just my take. Like I'm sure, I can't even say I'm sure anymore. Like fucking the world's going to shit. Yeah, and it's going to shit fast, and it's not getting any better. This fucking second wave, third wave, whatever wave we're on, is by not like by and large the worst it's ever been. Yeah. So, although they're the vaccine is promising and should be out early into the new year, like you're, yeah, you don't have enough doses to give everyone the vaccine, and then not yeah. to mention we're gonna have to fight that anti-vax movement, which is gonna cause. All kinds of problems. Like, I don't even know if the world is going to be completely back to normal by uh, next summer. Yeah, next summer, uh, me and Tyler will see everyone else out on the wasteland fighting for fuel, Mad Max style. Yeah, exactly. Because that seems to be where we're headed. But, uh, yeah, like, I bet there maybe, yeah. I I don't know what they do here. Yeah, I, I, like, as someone in as opinionated as myself i i don't know what the move is here either 
Yeah, like I'm... Because, like, the thing is that, like, I don't think a lot of people think about, because I'm sure there's lots of people who are like, okay, well, it's already filmed, it's edited, it's done, just sit on it, and when the time is right, release it, which, to an extent, yes, they could, yeah. but I don't think a lot of people understand how <laughs> movies get financed, and it's, yeah. not, it's not just, like, studios that are like, oh... This movie's gonna cost two hundred million. Okay, here's yeah. two hundred million. There's a lot of like outside financing that comes oh, yeah. from like investors and stuff. And at some point, these investors are gonna want a return on their investment. Yeah, and like you know what a lot of people, I guess, outside of probably also don't realize is it totally costs money to just shelf a finished movie, right? Yeah. You know, the whole business model of studios is planning out releases you know, to get your earnings in line, right? So it's, yeah, it's, I think this, if, you know, and we got another Disney story that we'll talk about for this, but <clears throat> with Disney kind of putting some stuff out there, you got to think maybe H or Wonder Brothers kind of looked at it and went, eh, maybe we can do this too. I mean, we got HBO Max. Wonder Woman is a big movie. It would probably be a good test. People would flock to HBO Max and, you know, maybe pay 20 bucks. Or do they even charge for it if they put it on, on HBO Max? Do they just put it on HBO Max? Because HBO Max is still, like, it's still under a year old. Do they mm -hmm. just drop it on there and hope that, like, hey, this is how we get a user base? Uh, if they do, I would hope that... Uh... And it would be a greasy move, and I apologize to anyone who thinks I'm being a fucking D-bag for even suggesting this, but when you have a movie that costs this much money that's this kind of caliber, if you were going to drop it on your streaming service for free, then I think they should do some kind of like hidden library-esque thing, so that, because you know most streaming services, like, okay, sign up, get your first 30 days free, and then after that, yeah. join... Yeah. This should, this might be one of those cases where you should be like, yeah, sign up and view HBO Max for free. View our entire library except Wonder Woman. Yeah, I Pay think an HBO member a Max members only. Yeah, I think that would be that'd be uh, the way to go. Mm -hmm. Like, because it's yeah, I agree. Like, and yeah, people will probably hate hate us for saying that, but like, I'm a business major. <laughs> That's where my thought goes to. So it's like, yeah, but it's. I, that's like you said is we get all these other waves of shit and we descent into Mad Max like movie studios are like maybe we gotta start dropping these on streaming services actually make a return on it right yeah and like I granted that Disney has already like kind of done this move with Mulan I think this would be a bigger I don't know, signaling to how things are going to go. Like, it's one thing yeah. to put Mulan on there, which, like, I mean, that's a big Disney movie, but it's not blockbuster, right? It's not yeah. blockbuster in the sense that Wonder Woman is. So if if they do follow through with this and there is some success to it, I think that's going to be the linchpin here where a bunch of these other studios are like, okay, that's where yeah. we're going going forward. Yeah, and I think Disney's already headed in that direction. At the next story that's... Yeah, I think Disney is going that way too. Like by all by all accounts it feels like that's how it's turning. Might as well just move this. But uh yeah, I 
and uh, I think it was a few weeks ago Disney did that reorganization, right? Mm-hmm. And they kind of said at it, at our core, we're not wherever the movie's going to make the most is where we're going to put it. And they said like, if that's streaming, that's streaming. Yeah, and it, the uh, their CEO there says that they're going to get more aggressive with offering theatrical titles via Disney Plus paid download. Yeah, so by all accounts, it seems like Disney is kind of going down this this road, going like, hey, Mulan worked for us. More shit is happening. Let's just fucking start doing it, right? We gotta yeah. get We got to get these movies out, you know, so people can pay and watch watch them right yeah and just have your whole catalog just sitting on the you know office shelf hoping for you know theaters to still be there in a year and get those big box office results right yeah exactly and like again like i'm still for it i don't want to see the death of the of the movie theater but there's just so many like fantastic movies that i feel like are just sitting in the wait right now yeah exactly just collecting dust and doing nothing and there's nothing worse than losing the hype. Like you, when you announce a movie and then you enter pre-production and, you know, images and stills from on set leak, and then you get the trailer dropping, yeah. right? You, you, you start the hype and you build the momentum. And if you were to take one of these big blockbuster movies and you're like, well, the theaters aren't open yet. So I'm just going to put this on the shelf for a year. All that money that's gone into like press, all the, all the press attention and hype that was built that you didn't even have to pay for, like that that itself is worth its weight in gold, and you lose all of that the longer you just sit on a movie. Like, yeah, exactly. People forget about it, right? You know, exactly. Got to get, got to get it out there, and yeah, I feel like a, I feel like around Christmas, you know, I think that's when that our movie that Disney has, they're going to drop that on Disney Plus. I want to say that. Sounds about right. Like, I bet maybe around the holidays that Wonder Woman is maybe... I bet going into the new year. Okay. That's when stuff starts moving to streaming? I don't know. Yeah, it's everything's up in the air right now. Like, it's hard to, to tell for sure which direction things are going to head. I think we have a general idea of what we're seeing, like, trending as far as the industry's going, but... Until one of these big companies actually, you know, pulls the trigger on one of these big movies with a with a yeah. VOD release, like I think it's going to be like a set of dominoes. Once like one of the big dominoes falls, mm-hmm. the rest are going to fall into place, and everyone's just kind of feel like everyone's on the edge of their seat watching everyone else. Like, yeah, you Wait. know, like yeah, like the the spring social. You got all the boys on one side against the wall, and all the girls on the other side, and like. Once one person, you know, heads into the dance floor, then everyone else does, right? Yeah, they're just waiting. They're just like, all right, who's going to make the first move here so we can get this party started? Yeah, and, like, I so don't fucking envy, you know, the people that have to make these calls. I'm like, hey, do do we wait for theaters? You know, do we launch it on streaming? Like, constantly, you know, trying to keep up with, you know, where everything's going in the world and going... Well, this week it's kind of looking like maybe in a few months, you know, and then the next week they're like, fuck, maybe VOD is the answer. Like, I don't envy the people that have to weigh those options and sift through all that fucking information. And see, for me personally, I don't think that this situation is as complicated as 
everyone is portraying it to be. I don't think it's as complicated as all the like CEOs, big wigs, investors and stuff are weighing their options back and forth. Like every so often you have some sort of monumental change in the world that completely changes the game across the entire board in all industries and in all aspects. And this is that moment. Like, you know, like yeah. when Netflix did streaming, that was a massive monumental shift in the way that we digest entertainment. Yeah. So, I mean, given it's probably not the timeline that everyone thought it honestly like history repeats itself. It was just a matter of time before we got our next big shift in how we consume our media. And this is it right here. Like, I think this was going to be an inevitable route and it was going to happen regardless at some point in the future. It's yeah. just the pandemic kind of, you know, put everything into the fast lane and things are moving a lot quicker than anyone had yeah. thought. Yeah. But and pa pandemic aside or not, this was going to happen. Everything yeah. was going to shift this way. And I, I feel like it, this is a case of companies deciding, you know, who goes first, right? Because business-wise, there's advantages and disadvantages for being the first one. So it's like, I feel like that's, you know, the decision they're trying to make is like, okay, do we, we do we want to be the first one that, you know, drops a cannonball into the pool? Or do we want to wait and learn from the first guy? Try to do it a little bit better, right? So it's... Yeah, and I I, I totally understand how that could, would, would be a tough call. And... and with absolutely no personal experience or expertise on this subject, I would like to think, or I personally think, that the way to go here is to be the first one. Because when you're the first one in, you set the tone and you set the pace. Yeah. Right? Like, the, like it, if, you, if Disney steps up and goes, okay, big blockbuster movies, we're doing it on Disney+, Plus. we're charging 30 bucks you know, for the first however many months, eventually it'll go free. But if you want to see it right away, you got to pay that $30 bill. They're setting the tone. They're setting the pace. If they let someone else do it and let's say HBO's like, okay, we're going to do it too. And we're going to release it for free. Now Netflix is like, well, fuck, we could have been making $30 a pop off this for a few months, but you know, HBO is out there doing it for free. Like now we got to drop our price or lower our price, or maybe we have to offer it free to stay competitive. But if Disney's the first one setting this price tag and someone else wants to dip in, they're going to go, okay, well, Disney's doing really good with this $30. We're going to stick in that range, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Just, I'll, just, just buy that. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm, I feel like Disney's going to be the first one because they already kind of have pulled the trigger with Mulan, right? So it, especially with that reorg. Mm-hmm. Feel like they're just gearing up to like w figure out when they're going to drop Black Widow. Yeah, and I hopefully they figure that out soon and they and they pull it because the the one thing I don't want to see is the people who are like oblivious to current trends and can't see you know the path in front of their feet. Right, and like it's yeah. kind it's kind of off topic and and but it's related. It just like like thinking about how the movie industry is going digital with video on demand and like how theaters are not necessarily being phased out, but I think their role and importance in the theatrical industry is going to drop heavily. Oh yeah, for sure. To to me, it's very reminiscent of the uh, the old cell phone operating days yep. where you had like for the longest time BlackBerry was king. And then Android came out and started competing with it. And then iOS came out and then Windows got in on it. 
Yeah. And BlackBerry and Windows were like, well, no, we have a fan base, you know, i.e. in this situation, companies were like, oh, we always go through the theaters. Yep. So they didn't change. They didn't adapt. They didn't evolve. And then fucking Android and iOS started doing more new things, revolutionary things, creative things. They created a whole new path. Well, Microsoft and BlackBerry just kept going, no, no, we're fine. We're fine. Like people like, yeah, that's new yeah. and exciting, but like, this is the try and true method. We know that this works. And as a result, like there's no fucking BlackBerry operating system anymore. Windows phone died years ago. Like you have to be able to move with the times just because you're a behemoth, i.e. just because you're AMC or Universal or any of those like companies, just because you have this history, this track record and this like foundation built doesn't mean that it won't come crumbling down because you've been there for fucking decades. No, and I feel like um, like Disney, for the most part, is like pretty forward-looking. Like when you look at business-wise, like the decisions they make, mm-hmm. like they they usually keep up with the trends. Like they're not really like set in their ways. So you saw that when Bob Iger was the CEO, you know, with all of the acquisitions, kind of was able to sense that that's kind of where the market was going. You know, with buying all these big IPs. Yeah, and, and now. You know, the new CEO, you know, taking over from Bob Iger is, you know, they're, they just did a company, like a division wide reorg, like based on streaming. So it's like, they obviously know its importance and by all accounts, they're going that way. So it's, yeah, they seem to know what they're doing. I'm curious, like, what the fuck is Warner Brothers going to do, right? You know, are they, they're maybe a little more set in their ways, right? So it's. Yeah, it's uh, time will tell the the future is definitely it's going to be different and it's going to be interesting to see which which companies here are able to like, you know, look ahead, see the forest through the trees and be able to adjust their trajectory accordingly and which ones are going to stay rooted in the past and, you know, that old mantra why are we doing it this way? Because that's the way we've always done it. Right? Yeah, exactly. And, it, like, to me, it's, like, as someone that... in studying business and all that, like, I'm fascinated by that stuff. So it's, like... To me, it's fascinating to watch this unfold because it's, like, this, you know, tipping tide, you know, in the industry that that I love, right? So it's kind of... It's exciting that way. Like, I'm kind of curious, you know, where this is. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Guess we'll have to see how this all plays out. Yeah. <sighs> and, uh, we got David Fincher. That he's got a fucking four-year deal with Netflix. Let's quit the contract. Yeah. This is me selfishly saying this, but as soon as I read this article, I was like, "Comes back." You were like, "What?" Sorry. When I uh, first read this, my uh, selfish thought was, does this mean maybe Mindhunter comes back? <sighs> Nothing would make me happier. Actually, that's not true. There's lots of things that would make me happy, but this is on that list because I quite enjoyed that show. But yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't want to get excited for the idea of another season of Mindhunter just because yeah. I, I don't know, especially with the news of The Outsider. Like, I don't know how many crushing blows I can keep handling here. Yeah, that's fair. 
like I'm I'm still dealing with the aftermath of the cancellation of Californication. Like I but, that's time fair. doesn't heal all wounds. I don't know how many more fucking knives in the back I can handle here. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, good for him. Fincher is in all regards and everything he does is phenomenal. So yeah. I very much look forward to everything that he uh, that he's going to throw out here. Yeah, even if it's like maybe he does four movies, like I'm totally down with that, right? You know, you think like he kind of does a few movies, like get some get a few Netflix movies, you know, in the vein of like a Gone Girl or you know Zodiac or Seven or something, right? Like if he can make a few of those movies for Netflix, fuck, I'm all right with that. And that I would love to see anything along any of those lines. Yeah, like if he's if he's got a few ideas for those, you know, like fuck yeah, sign me up. Like if if Netflix can get a you know, three or four of those movies, you know, this deal, you know, with him, like that's a win on their part for sure. The dude's great. Yeah, this this is nothing but great news all around. Yeah, wasn't uh. He didn't really give any other details other than he just said, yeah, I got to deal with them for, for four years. So we'll see. Kind of like, we'll see what we do, you know? Yeah. doesn't seem like he's tied down to any one project in that, in that deal. And it seems like he's kind of exclusive there for a few years. So curious what he thinks up. And good for Netflix for picking up some of these all-stars and not just, you know, that old meme where it used to be like someone walked into a Netflix office and pitched the most absurd show. Netflix is like, beautiful. I love it. We'll yeah. take it. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it's nice to see that all the money they took away from the amazing shows like the society that at the very least they're going into some good people here. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks like the last thing on the docket here is more fucking Snyder Cut news. Yeah. So I saw this right before we started and, you know, with all the reshoot talks and like everyone coming back for filming, a good old Zach came out and said, yeah, there's maybe about four minutes of new footage in this four hour cut, which this has to be a troll. This, like, this has to be a troll. Yeah. Like, like what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? I don't, I just, I don't understand how you dump millions into doing fucking reshoots yeah you're telling me that the snyder cuts like four fucking hours long and you're gonna sit here and be like yeah i think like four minutes is like new footage like get the fuck out of here like yeah there there's just like if this is true then i'm extremely like frustrated and not fucking understanding if this is not true then like i bow to Zack snyder for like one of the best entertainment trolls of all time yeah the more shit that like comes out about this cut i'm convinced that this whole snyder cut is the biggest troll in the world and we're never gonna see it or it's just gonna be this four hour fucking mess like i i don't know what to think about this i <laughs> months ago while we were continually talking about the new upstate updates i was just mind blown about everything that was going on. So like, I, I don't even know what to expect anymore. Like, I don't know if I'm excited. I don't know if I'm scared. 
Yeah. Like I just I just don't know until I actually get a chance to sit down and watch yeah. whatever the fuck this monstrosity is turning out to be. I don't know. Yeah. And like it's some of the headlines have came out and I'm like, okay, like I'm a little bit more excited about that. And then like a headline like this would come out and I'm like, what the fuck? Like I just want to see what this fucking morbid Frankenstein fucking cut looks like. Just out of curiosity. Like I I kind of like what you said. I I I don't know if I'm excited or what for it. I I just want to know what it is. Yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell right there. Like it's just this morbid curiosity of this fucking project that got bred out of the fans wanting it and But I mean, like, at the end of the day, whether it turns out to be revolutionary or game-changing or a complete and utter piece of flaming garbage, yeah. at the end of the day, I am happy just for the simple fact that it was something where the fans were like, hey, we want this, give us this, and someone actually going and listening to the fucking fans. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, that's a win in and of itself. Whether this movie is good or terrible, I don't care. It's the fact that it's nice to know that, like, with massive fan outrage or massive, like, you know, calls from the fans, that that some of these big guys actually listen and take that shit seriously. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's that's really all I got to say on that matter. Yeah, me too. And... All right, well, then perhaps we should just uh, swing into uh, what we've been watching this week. Oh, uh, well, we forgot one thing. Oh, did we? Rip Alec Trebek. Oh, fuck. Now I feel like a giant pack bag of shit. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace, Alec. Yeah, this one was real sad. Because he's, the dude's a legend. And he was so humble. Yeah, he was. Like, I'm... I remember when he first got diagnosed with his cancer and there was like a clip floating around of like the speech he made on Jeopardy. And it was just this like heartwarming speech that was so humble. And I was like, yeah, like you're an awesome dude. And then it happened and it was. I, uh, I can't validate these, these claims or like I may have misread, but by all accounts, uh, I thought I read somewhere that like, you know, within a few days up, like leading up to his passing, he was still fucking filming Jeopardy. That wouldn't surprise me, to be honest. And like, not to take away from like, you know, all things Alec Trebek, rest in peace. I've uh, recently heard that uh, George Takei is actually in talks to take over now. Okay, I can see that. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah, yes. it wouldn't surprise me if he was working because i think when he first announced it on jeopardy he was like i'm still gonna you know come in and do this show because he was like i that's what he loved doing right mm-hmm. yeah a canadian legend yeah. rest in peace alec yeah back to pivoting what we watched yeah <laughs> fuck well that just made me feel so bad i can't even mm-hmm. believe i forgot that me too I'll blame it on not having enough coffee, which is <laughs> the worst excuse ever. Fair enough. Uh, I only have been watching the, the Sopranos this week. Like okay. I've been working hard 
okay. to finally get through this series. And I'm okay. halfway through season four now. Okay. So are you digging it? You're not liking it? No, I, qu- it. I quite I quite enjoy it. I yeah. uh, I feel a little little guilty, a little terrible that it's taken me this long to actually finally get into this show. Cause I mean, you know, whenever you see like top shows of all time, mm-hmm. like it's it's always in all of the lists as, you know, this revolutionary show. And I totally get that. Yeah. I I I'm very happy with the fact that like, even though I'm watching it so many years since it's um, passed. So like in the, in the actual episodes and the seasons themselves, like it's set, you know, over 10 years ago. So like flip phones and old technology and all that other stuff. But like none of that actually, like it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Whereas like when I was, went back to rewatch the wire, I got really bothered by like how behind and how old things were. Yeah, fair enough. But with The Sopranos, like, it hasn't taken me or removed me from the story at all. Okay. There are a few fucking gripes, I will say, Okay, that have bothered me about it. Okay. The first one being, I think it was season two? Yeah, season two, when uh, Christopher, mm-hmm. Tony's cousin, gets shot and ends up in hospital. Right. And then he has some like bizarre, like he was legally dead for one minute and has some oh, sort of yeah, bizarre yeah. thing where he fucking went to hell and was told to tell the other two fucking guys something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that was like a weird thing. But what bothered me about it was it seemed to be by all accounts during that episode, it was a big thing. Like he had to talk to Tony and all of this was fucked up and it, it felt like this was going to signal a major shift in that character's change. And then literally, like, the next episode, it was as nothing ever happened. Yeah. Which I thought was odd and kind of irritated me and annoyed me a little bit. Because it's like, you spent a lot of time dwelling on this, and you just threw it all away. So why did you have it in there at all? Like, I, this this resulted in absolutely nothing. No, no change in any of the characters or the plot or nothing. It was literally just garbage filler. I feel like it plays into his overall arc. May, and the you know sh- what? As the show progresses, I feel like that kind of starts out like I, I. It's been a long time since I've watched that show, but like if I remember really, this may be a case of like he suppresses that whole thing because like there's that old gangster mentality, and then it maybe plays into his like kind of overall arc. I want to say. Well, maybe I'll let you know. I'm halfway through season four, and I can tell you right now without a doubt that that has not affected his character one bit as okay. of yet. Okay. Halfway halfway through season four, and it's never like I not that it needs to be mentioned, but as far yep. as his character, his character has very much gone back to yep. being exactly what his character was. Yeah, that's fair. And I My, mean, like, even with these shows, like, there's always going to be parts that don't hit. Oh, absolutely! Like, I didn't expect this to be a, a complete and total masterpiece from start to finish. It's no boy meets world. Fair enough, but. but uh, a lot and my like I don't know my gripes tend to be a lot with his character development to be honest because like yeah like that whole thing was a super like messed up fucking thing for me I didn't I I understood and I kind of liked how they dealt with um his drug use and drug addiction yep but then same thing it's like oh everyone sits down and they have the intervention with him and they beat the shit out of him and Tony's like you're going to fucking rehab yeah and I'm gonna you know post a guy there like this is happening too fucking bad i was like okay cool so like we watched him kind of like have his inner demons which led to the drug use which 
and expedited and like i really enjoyed how they showed how the drug use was like legit affecting him and his relationship with you know his fellow mobsters and his fiance Mm -hmm. but then again same fucking thing like they send him to rehab he's absent for exactly two episodes and then he comes back in and they're like oh how was rehab oh it was good and then fucking business as usual yeah like I, there's been minor shout shout outs like at the last episode i just finished watching he was complaining about a fucking toothache right and he was like this is fucking stupid i have a toothache and i can't get anything about an anything other than an aspirin because i'm a former drug addict but you can sit here and do coke yeah. so like at least they're still like keeping that in mind going forward that he they is do. he they, is a, a former drug addict but they, they definitely um they definitely roll back to that the other thing that's really bothering me is his wife becoming a snitch. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Like, I, like, I'm not far enough to see how this all plays out, but what bothers me about it is the way they go about it, because, oh, you okay. know, like, she becomes friends with that blonde chick, turns out the blonde chick's an undercover FBI, then they bring her in and they're like, hey, this is what's going to happen, we're going to flip you, you're going to narc for us, blah, blah, blah. Don't care, totally understand that. But it's like nothing is ever spoken about they don't talk about her spine and then just like every three episodes there will be a random scene and when i say random it'll be like something's going on with tony and then the very next scene is adriana in a car with an fbi agent the fbi agent's like well what do you know about this and what do you know about that and she never really gives them like any legit answers the scene ends and then the show carries on and then three episodes later it again, it'll transition from, you know, someone gets beat up and Tony's doing this. And then all of a sudden the next scene is Adriana sitting at a diner with an FBI agent. And I understand like, you got to keep that plot going. Like it's like, it's pivotal to, to the plot, that arc, but I don't like how they slice it in. Oh, that's fair. It's I, just, it's just, it's very abrupt and sudden. It's just right. like, you forget that that's even a thing. And then it's like, oh, we don't want you to forget. So here's a quick five second scene where we just show her sitting in a diner and the agent asks how she is. And then we're going to cut back to the rest of the episode. Just so you know that that's still a thing. Just keep it, keep it in your mind. Keep it in your mind. It almost kind of seems like, and I'm sure it's not intentional, but a little bit insulting. It's like, Oh, you think that, you know, after three episodes, I'm going to forget that she's kind of working with the FBI. So they throw in a fucking 15 second scene or a 10 second scene just to like, make sure that we remember that that's a thing. Yeah. And like I will say, like the plot thread of like Christopher's drug use and her snitching, both of those do get like firmly resolved in that show. Okay, that that makes me a little bit happy. Both of those end up leading to things, and they get resolved. Yeah, it, yeah. So it's maybe just kind of like how they're leading you up to it. Um, I could see that, uh, but both of those, I, uh, the only thing I'll say is they do get resolved. Okay. My last gripe with it was just like the, and it's not all of them, but like I was slightly disappointed. Like I really liked that one character, uh, Pussy. Okay, yep. And I was a little bummed out and disturbed that like as early as season two, he flips to be a fucking an FBI informant and they fucking ice him on the boat. Yeah. And it's like, oh wow, like. Uh, he got a lot of time like he felt like a main character so it just like a little disheartening that like 
someone you get used to as a pivotal point of this overall story just gets thrown out with little regard. I do like how they played it up, though, where it's just like they think he's a rat and then they try to fucking prove he's a rat and then it turns out he wasn't. And then, you know, a little later down the road, you see him meet with the FBI and you're like, oh, shit, he actually is a rat. Like, I like that. Like, they had me thinking maybe he's working with the FBI, but then they, like, completely dispelled that and I thought he was completely normal. And then, you know, the backswing right there hits you and you're like, oh, shit, no, he really is. So I definitely like how that played out. Yeah. But my last gripe, too, is with, like, just some of the random deaths. And the one I'm thinking of is, like, Richie in specifically. Yeah, that one, if I remember, I wasn't very happy with that one either. Well, and it, it, it wasn't it wasn't just um, him. There's multiple aspects of his death that bothered me. The first one being, like, Tony's sister, by all accounts, like, she's mouthy, but she they introduce her and she kind of seems like she's, you know, like an independent feminist, free speaker, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then she starts dating Richie. Yeah. And it's weird because, like, after this, it seems like she dates Richie, and then I can't remember the next guy she dates, but he's another one of the fucking mobsters. And then yeah. she leaves him. Oh, she starts Bobby. dating that. Bobby, I think it is? No, it's that greasy dude who came up from Miami. I can't remember his name. The oh. one who fucking talks too much. And he's always cracking jokes, and he's a talker. Oh, Ralphie? Yeah, Ralphie. Yeah. And then she and then she now she's dating the fat guy that's always hanging out with uh That's Bobby. With Junior. Yeah, Bobby. Yeah, so it's just like one fucking mobster to another. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I don't like how they like by all accounts everything leading up, like despite her being, you know, an independent woman, they kind of played into a little like she has alternative motives for being there. Like she's trying to find hidden money in their mom's house and it kind of made it seem like that was the only reason she came back oh yeah but then that that whole like arc of her trying to find money in the mom's house and stuff just kind of like completely disappeared they never really explained or touched like did the mom have money hidden somewhere this like small fortune did she ever find it did she just give up like what was the deal here it's like all of a sudden she's trying to get all this money she thinks her mom has and then she's just not yeah but anyway she starts dating fucking richie and i'm saying all this because like she's all for all intent and purposes she seems like a normal grounded person and she gets in one fucking argument with richie and then shoots him like four times yeah like that just seems so wildly out of character yeah and then tony and christopher dispose of the body and they just play it off like oh yeah he probably flipped he's he's probably in witsack and then yeah. that's it. Nobody fucking asks any more questions, really. Yeah. I've heard him. They. I've heard him. They, his name brought up once since they killed him, and that's like well over a season and a and a bit before anyone even mentions that guy's fucking name again. Yeah, yeah that's fair. And then same fucking thing with Ralphie. Mm-hmm. It's just like Tony fucking kills him and then goes, "Yeah, he's in Witsack. He fucking probably left. I don't know." And then that's it. That's the end of fucking Ralphie. No one asks anything. There's no fucking questions. There's no follow-up. It's just, he's gone. Yeah. I just find it weird. And in his situation, it's not as weird, because, like, given how that all came to be and how yeah. Ralphie ends up getting killed, and yeah. then obviously you need to explain it away, so you just tell your cronies, like, okay, yeah, he went to Witsack, and, like, okay, you, you tie a bow on that one. I can accept yeah. that. But I just found it so fucking bizarre. 
that Tony's sister, like out of nowhere, gets so angry and aggressive that she just straight up shoots a guy. And like, it's, it's not even just like a normal guy that she's dating. Like they had a long running history where they were together for a long time when they were younger and then he went to jail and now he's out and they like picked up where they left off. Like it's a high school love story. And she just fucking kills him. It, It was so out of character that it totally threw me for a loop. Yeah, I remember not, not being a fan of that one. Mm-hmm. But yes, other than that, I'm quite enjoying it. So I've got like five or six episodes left in this season, and then season five and six to go, and I'm fucking done. Yeah. Been moving fast through this one. Well, I'm, I'm glad, because Sopranos is one of my favorite shows. Yeah, I, I will say, like, despite my minor annoyances and complaints and uh, what I consider to be some, like, poor uh story arcs and plot holes yep. i do overall i think it's a great show and it's it's kept me it's kept me hooked enough where like i'll burn a few episodes at a time yep. mm-hmm. yeah it's solid yeah i'm enjoying it so far now you're kind of making me want to rewatch it your plate is so full right now i, I don't think you can take on a, a rewatch i don't think i can either but uh You've made it through season five of American Horror Story? No, I've only watched two episodes. <gasps> two? Yeah. Uh, it, it literally, every day, or every day, every week when we fucking meet up to do this, it kills me that I can't talk about the last couple seasons of American Horror Story. I'm working on it. There's like 120 hours of American Horror Story. Well, you're just sitting here talking about potentially doing a rewatch of The Sopranos. I never said I was going to. Which is like 800 hours. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Now I'm working on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I watched the first two episodes. And so far I'm digging it. It's uh, kind of like vampires. Yeah, but that's actually like, that's one aspect of it. Like it's, I yeah. think that's definitely like one of the, one of the main features of it. But yeah. it's all centered around that hotel. And if you yeah. die in that hotel, you are stuck in that hotel. Yeah, yeah, and it, they kind of just introduced like the guy who built the hotel and like how he was killing like a serial killer kind of thing. What oh, was that? The CC or JJ or like he's got two initials. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, that dude. The I that's actually a real person. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, oh man. Okay, you keep talking about it, and I'll I'll find this here. Okay. But yeah. Um. So they just kind of introduced that storyline because the first episode is just kind of establishing the hotel and then like Lady Gaga and Matt Boomer as like the vampire people. And she crushes it. Yeah. uh, Her fucking entrance into that show um, was straight up fucking badass. I was like, yeah, this is cool. Um, Like it it really got me on board. Uh, They did a really good job introducing those characters and like the whole setup and yeah she's killing it like trying to uh she just kind of turned some younger drug addict into a vampire kind of thing and yeah it's uh it's good so far i'm really liking it um yeah like i said i I haven't watched too much of it but i'm hoping to kill it uh this week yeah so far it's, it's cool yeah it's it's uh not the fucking greatest, but uh, 
it, it's definitely a solid season and like this is where things really start to tie in because you'll see some characters end up there and then as we go forward into um later seasons they reference this hotel and they reference like why it is the way it is and some of the characters in there and like yeah. some some cool shit by that so the yeah. guy i'm thinking of now that i brought it up his name is hh H. holmes okay so that's that's I can't remember what Evan Peters character is in that hotel, but that's who the character is based on. It's based on the real life person known as H.H. H. Holmes. Okay, and he yeah. actually built they call it the murder castle and it's in Chicago in like the oh. 1890s. And he I, built this structure with like hidden floors, trap doors, like gas rooms. He had a torture chamber in the basement. He had these like hidden shoots all over the place that like. If he killed someone, he could just drop a body and it would land in the basement kind of thing. Yeah. It's actually quite a, a gnarly story. And like I, think- I I don't think it's happening anymore. But at one point they were going to make an a movie about H. H. Holmes and his quote unquote murder castle. And it was supposed to star Leonardo DiCaprio in the lead role. Ooh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But yeah. So far this is uh Going to be a decent season so far. I'm, yeah, uh, I'm interested to see where it goes. Because yeah, like so far the first two episodes have got me on board. So yeah, I'm I'm hoping to finish it this week. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a good one. I think the next what's what's the next season? Then when we go back to oh no, the next week season's Roanoke. Didn't care yeah. for that one. Did not care for that one. You got to get up to season eight before you get the witches back. I know. I'm going to try my hardest to bring through a bunch. Fair enough. Yeah. So that's a quick update on that. And you finally sat down and watched The Gentleman. I did, yeah. And I enjoyed it. It definitely wasn't my top Guy Ritchie movie. I think he talking about it too. Yeah, that that's what I was saying. Like it was a it was an interesting and good movie, but like I yeah. said, when I when I talked about it when I watched it, I don't think it was Guy Ritchie at his best. But more no. importantly, now that you've seen it, like my theory was I don't think this is going to translate very well into a TV series. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. I think it would translate well if it was a prequel based on Matthew McConaughey's character. That would be the only way I think it would translate well. If it was a series based on how he built that empire. That I think is the only way you'd be able to do it. Yeah, but it would have to have Matthew McConaughey in it. Continuity. I I don't want to watch a show about how Matthew McConaughey's character became who he is with not Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, unless they go real young with it. uh, In the early days of him starting the empire. Mm-hmm. Which, depending on how they do it and how much Guy Ritchie is involved with it, I don't remember when we talked about that if he was going to be like writing and directing the TV show. I can't remember if that was the case or not. Yeah, I think he had some kind of involvement, but I don't know if it was as hands on as uh, I think something like this would require. But yeah, like if it was a case of Guy Ritchie writing and directing, you know, the TV show, then I would say, okay, I've, I've got faith. Guy Ritchie, 
but if he just kind of was like, here's the general idea that I had, and he kind of shopped it out to someone else, then eh. Well, the other thing, too, is in, like, because granted, we talked about this a while ago, I thought it was not a prequel. Like, I thought it was taking place after the film, which was one of the reasons I wasn't too on board with it. I'm going to look it up here. I could be completely wrong, but I do I, I do vividly remember, though, not... He is not, writing and directing the TV show. Is he? I do remember not being on board for it. But for some reason, all of the reasons I was against it are kind of like fleeting at the moment. Yeah. Anything? I think so. It's a, it's, I'm just going to try to find it. He's going to write direct... They didn't provide plot details. So it looks like they didn't announce whether it's going to be a prequel or not. Just that happening. Interesting. So TBD on the details. So I guess we'll find out down the road here. Yeah. So I mean, that does give me uh, some hope that he's writing and directing it, which means like I, I have some more faith in it. Because that obviously means he had an idea for it. Mm hmm. But like overall, like like I enjoyed the movie. I, as any Guy Ritchie movie, you know the cast is spectacular. Um, I don't think that's ever not a case in his movies. No, he always nails the cast. That's for sure. Yeah. Like like overall, I really liked it, but definitely wasn't like, oh, this is now you know in my top five Guy Ritchie movies. No, but, he he's good at what he does, but yeah, yeah. this this one just it wasn't the best of what he has to offer i don't think yeah which like and, it, and i'm not trying to shit on it because like i i quite enjoyed the movie like i think it's it's totally worth a watch especially if you like guy Ritchie. it's just not i guess it, yeah. one of his greats right you know it's yeah. like okay that that's a guy Ritchie movie you know maybe that didn't hit you know all of the guy Ritchie cylinders that i would want it to but it hit enough and i enjoyed my time with it yeah kind of thing so it's like Definitely don't want to shit on it because I enjoyed it, but yeah, overall, like it. Matthew McConaughey was great. Early mm -hmm. on him, I like him. He should do more. Fair enough. That's kind of that's my blurb on the gentleman. All right, now what the fuck is underwater? Underwater, kind of like a horror movie in the vein of, I uh, think of that Life movie with Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. On the space station where they fight that kind of like blobby monster. Yeah, yeah. So this is kind of... The, the one starring Ryan Reynolds, but not starring Ryan Reynolds? Yeah, Ryan Reynolds for the first 10 minutes. Yeah, okay. So this is kind of like the same kind of premise thing, except it's uh, Kristen Stewart is the lead. It's got TJ Miller, Vincent Cazzle. Um Essentially, the premise is... Oil companies have found a way to have a deep sea drilling rig in the Marinas Trench. Um, so these people are working down in the Marinas Trench, um, drilling for oil. Marianas and, Trench? Yeah. That's so pretty fucking deep, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's. That's the. I think they. I don't even know if they explain how they got the technology to do it. Anyway, it's not really relevant. 
It's just like that's the setting it takes place. And so it's about this crew that's drilling for oil and then some creature comes out of the fucking like Mariana's Trench and just starts fucking shit up. And it's kind of like a horror movie based on that where you don't really see the creature and it kind of like slowly evolves throughout the film and fucks more shit up and but how they kind of got to kill it and escape. Like it's very similar to life except just underwater. Interesting. And I actually really enjoyed it, like, for what it was. Like, when I think of that Life movie, I was like, okay, that was, like, a pretty passable, enjoyable little, like, kind of horror movie set in space, you know, with a decent cast, right? Yeah. You know, there was nothing spectacular about it. uh, But it was, like, an enjoyable enough watch for, like, one of those horror movies. This was kind of in the same vein, where, like, I was like, okay, like, for what this was. It was a totally serviceable little movie. Both that. Hmm. I'm I'm slightly intrigued as a underwater version of life. Yeah. I probably would be more sold on it if there was like some more interesting actors in it. Yeah, that's fair. Like I got nothing against TJ Miller. Like in what I've seen him in, I like. Like I thought he was phenomenal in Silicon Valley and as well as Deadpool. Kristen Stewart, I don't know, I'm hot and cold on her. Like, I, I don't think that she's a bad actress, but I also don't think that she has a whole lot of range. Yeah. But that also could just be being typecast. Like, it's yeah, very similar in everything she does. She kind of plays the same character, so. No, but I, don't, it, I don't know. I, I, I never even heard of this, so maybe I'll uh, look at a trailer and see if that stokes the fire within. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's not a long movie. It's like an hour and a half or something like that. Um, it's a nice little, like, kind of quick watch. And, yeah, like, it was totally solid for what it was. Um, underwater, like, the kind of set pieces were cool. Kind of seeing, like, how they are able to move around, you know, that deep and how, how they kind of loosely explain it. <laughs> it was cool. I enjoyed it. And I've always liked the Lovecraft-style horror where, like, really see you know what what's fucking them up until like slowly drip beat it to you and then they give you the big shot of like the thing mm-hmm. i've always kind of liked that and i and i thought they did it very well okay fair enough yeah it's a if you're looking for like a solid hour and a half kind of horrorish movie like that put a shot it's totally solid i mean it's not gonna blow your socks off or anything but it's it's a totally serviceable little movie all right, fair enough. Well, I, uh, yeah, I don't really have anything else, and as far as uh, movie or film reviews for the week, because yeah, it's just been nonstop Sopranos. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't get anything more. Well, then once again, perhaps this is where we uh, bid adieu. Good. All right. Well, I'll catch you on the next one. Later. <laughs>